This is David Rhymes, and you're listening to Foot Notable, a podcast where we discover the truth is in the details. All right, everybody, we're back. We're back. Did you miss us? Yeah, I bet they did. Probably did. They always miss us. Some of y'all did miss us because you weren't aware of the live episode last week. That's right. And so you've been standing all forlorn over your podcasting (laughs) app, wondering where the episode is. Staring at your computer, waiting for it to be delivered. Yeah. And it hasn't come. It never came. That's right. Because we did a live episode last week. We had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. We learned some things about technology that we didn't already know. That's right. We will apply that knowledge <laughs> to future endeavors to do live episodes. That's right. But it was fun. We did some, uh, not election coverage, right? because we wouldn't stoop that low, but we did talk <laughs> about the election, and uh, it's, a, it's a, new, a new day it because is. last week on Tuesday, people were still voting, yeah. and now we have a president-elect. I think they were still voting on Wednesday and Thursday, too. Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> Who knows? Who says? Yeah, some, someone accuses them of, of, of such uh, nefarious deeds. Yeah. But yeah, so Saturday they announced that Joe Biden had won, supposedly won the election. That's all being contested. It will probably be tied up in the court system for And this is not the first time weeks. an election has been contested. No, it'll be it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah. We're good. But we're moving on to, to new and better things. Yeah. We said last week, if you were actually watching the live episode, <laughs> Uh, that we're going to do a follow-up to the paranormal, mm-hmm. the little uh, Halloween Spirit World yeah. episode we did a couple of weeks ago uh, because we had a survey out on that particular live stream event, and people gave us some feedback on things that we didn't cover. We just didn't have time to. Mm-hmm. And so we're taking three of the things that were in that survey. And really, um, the the first two we're going to cover – I kind of are in the realm of what we would call a, a religious cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are definitely part of the the occult, yeah. meaning that they're part of that that quest for a secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one is something we're kind of familiar with. We're going to actually uh, Catholic exorcisms, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about why do they seem to have the the corner of the market? Yeah, the corner of the market on on, on this. Uh, but cults are an interesting thing. Sometimes we don't think about them being part of that kind of mm-hmm. spirit world reality. But a lot of them, like I said, do have occultic uh, principles yeah. that they are searching for answers. They are they are claiming to have secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so people who are looking for answers are oftentimes duped mm-hmm. by these different cults. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been something that's been going on. Forever. For forever, yeah. You know. For as long as there's been religion, there have been offshoots or um, uh, different groups that have met to, I guess you said, with secret knowledge that somehow they've come up with a new kind of knowledge that the other sort of religious groups have not discovered yet. They have a, a better answer than the religions can offer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, basically what it is. And you know, nobody is really immune to to cults. Yeah. You have to be, you know, very much aware of what is true what you believe and very discerning, but not all people are that discerning, right? Uh, including our dear friend George Costanza. That's right. Uh, well, a- at least um, he was hoping that he would be worthy 
of <laughs> inclusion. Dave, have you ever sought entrance into a cult and been rejected? <laughs> I have not. George, George was. <laughs> George, George was, and it went a little something like this. I gotta go home and up at the house for the carpet cleaners. You know they're doing my whole place for $25? Oh, no, no, no. Not the sunshine carpet cleaners. Yeah, you heard of them? They're a crazy religious cult. The carpet cleaning is just a means for them to get into your apartment. So, for a $25 cleaning, I can listen to some pointless blather. I do it. I'm not even getting the cleaning. <laughs> We're pretty much finished. There's just one more thing. There it comes. <clears throat> <clears throat> You forgot to sign your check. <laughs> Sorry. You sure uh, there isn't anything else? No. So that's it? Uh, uh, unless you need a receipt. I wish that was all I needed. Life can be so confusing. I'm, I'm searching for answers anywhere. Good luck with that. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> Poor George. He was trying to get into the Sunshine Cleaners cult, and he wouldn't let him in. Would not let him in. <laughs> completely denied. Uh, I guess they, they had their, their roster full. Yeah. Or so baby George thought until later in the episode when his boss, Mr. Wilhelm, was found to have been <laughs> recruited and joined the cult. But – these things are all over the place. They are, and, and, they're, and they're not a laughing matter either. They're not we are, a laughing we are making a, a light of it, but these are serious things that that are around us everywhere and every day. And you may not even be aware of them, but there are these um, misleading would be a, a kind way to say it. I think demonic would be the probably the, the most clear way to say it. Groups of people who are leading others astray by their false teachings, and we need to be aware of these things because they do have. Um, a, a spiritual element to them that is different from just a gathering of people looking for answers. This, right. there, there's worship involved. There, are, there's prayer involved. There are rites and ceremonies involved, and these things are very, very dangerous. And they seem attractive to people because they're so different from what they've seen before. They're not mainstream religions. They're kind of offshoots. They feel special, and so people get drawn into them, and they can be very, very dangerous. Yeah, they can because people in addition to answers, are looking for community, camaraderie, relationships. And some of these cults in particular really present themselves first and foremost as a type of uh, community, mm-hmm. fraternity, sorority, where you can sort of be included in and you're a part. Mm-hmm. And the, the beliefs sort of kind of are tacked on little by little mm-hmm. as you – become very comfortable being part of that group right. in relationship. And because you don't want to lose a relationship, you're a lot more lot more apt to go ahead and buy in bit by bit, by bit to right. the beliefs right, that right. they are sharing. So the first one we're going to look at, Orrin, uh, is one, as we talked about before we started recording, you know, 20, 30 years ago, this would have been um, – kind of the, the nail on the coffin for a lot of guys in our position mm-hmm. to talk about. To criticize, yeah. Because uh, many pastors saw themselves ousted from churches mm-hmm. for speaking out against this particular group, speaking truthfully mm-hmm. uh, about this particular group, and that is the Freemasons, mm-hmm. also known as uh, the Masonic Lodge, the Masonic Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a group that's been around for a long time, yeah. not as long as they claim. They, they, they claim since ancient Egypt. Yeah. 
They came I don't to know go they way can, back. I don't know if they can prove that or trace that. We don't know. But they, they have been around a very long time, yes. They have been around a very long time. And they're, they are a secret occultic organization. Mm-hmm. Now, I use the word occultic. Uh, for its actual term, occultic meaning hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so if you are listening or joining us for the pot, the, excuse me, the live event uh, back on the 25th of October, you know, I explained w- what all that entails and what are some of the marks of the occult. Mm-hmm. And part of it is this claim to have secret knowledge, yeah. knowledge that we cannot have outside of some other source right. providing that knowledge to us. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, um, it is knowledge that is supposedly being passed down from these other secret sources mm-hmm. uh, through this society. And you can have, you know, kind of the answers to, to life, how to better yourself, mm-hmm. how to be um, not really just one with the supreme being, but how to, to properly relate to the supreme right. being right, right. Uh, and your community mm-hmm. uh, as well. Yep. Uh, so the Freemasons have been around for a very, very long time. It's very popular, has been very popular in Christian circles uh, because Freemasonry masquerades itself as being, in some cases, blatantly Christian, yes. uh, which would actually not be the case. Uh, they have some very different beliefs mm-hmm. that the Bible would refute. Yeah. And so we could do a whole episode Just or maybe to, yeah. episodes yeah. on something like Freemason or when we get into Kabbalah here in just a, a few mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. So we're going to just kind of skim through some things. I figured mm-hmm. the best way to take something like Freemasonry mm-hmm. is so let's just talk about some of the key beliefs. Yes. And then let's just compare it to the Bible. Yes. Uh, so rather than thinking, well, David and Orrin are just beating up on this right. wonderful group of men right, right. who serve their communities. Right. How dare they? Right. Let's let their the beliefs of Freemasonry speak mm-hmm. for itself. Let's let the Bible speak for itself. And let's just compare the two. Yeah, and I would say a couple of things. Number one, the men that you may know who are Masons or Freemasons, this doesn't mean that they're they're terrible men or awful men. In fact, they're probably some of them are Christians who serve their communities very well, who love their churches, but they're a part of an organization that maybe even they themselves did not understand all the teachings that are under the surface. So the principle we want to apply here is what we would encourage you to apply to every area of life. When you hear something that's stated as a truth for living, you have to hold it up to the light of Scripture. What does the Bible teach, and then what is your organization teaching? Are those things in line? And who is the source of the truth? Is it man or is it God? If it refutes or conflicts or contradicts the word of God, well, then you have a false teaching. If it supports or is in line with the word of God, then you have a correct teaching. And so this is what you have to evaluate, not not just with cults, but with anything, from politics to philosophy to education to economics. All these things have to be filtered through the word of God. So that's all we're going to do here is take the Bible's teachings and the Mason's teachings and hold them up against one another. Okay, so let's start with God. Yes. That's where we start with everything. Absolutely. Is God. So Freemasonry teaches belief in a supreme being, which includes the gods of all religions. Mm-hmm. So they would see these gods as all being the same. So the Christian God, the Muslim God, the Hindu gods, um, you know, various incarnations of God and gods are all basically on equal level playing field. So they're not promoting the God of the Bible as he has revealed himself to us. Right. Uh, they direct their their membership towards belief in a supreme being. If your supreme being is Yahweh, 
then so be it. Mm-hmm. If it is Allah, so be it. Mm-hmm. If it's you know, Krishna, so be it. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so we would have to, to step back and say, well, that right there is in violation of the first two commandments. Yeah. That we're not to have any other gods before the one true God. Right. The Bible doesn't deny the existence of these other spiritual beings mm-hmm. that masquerade as gods. Right. But the Bible says that when we are to worship, mm-hmm. we are to look to the supreme yeah. spiritual being that is the one true God of gods, yeah. so to speak. And that is the God that has revealed himself to us in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so Freemasonry allows for anyone to choose their supreme being, which is why some people who are in Freemasonry will say, no, this is a Christian organization, sure. because they themselves believe in yeah. the one true God of the Bible. Right. And that matches with Freemason te- mm-hmm. te- teaching because yeah. they are choosing as their supreme being the God of the Bible. Right. So, so and, and since we know Freemasonry primarily from the, from the West, Western world, whether it's Europe and particularly the United States, it tends to, to lean more heavily toward Christian. But let me ask you this. I don't, I don't know if you did any, any research on this, but are there Freemason groups in the Middle East, in Asia? Are there places where other gods or other religions are prominent, like Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam? Are there Freemason groups in those cultures, or is Freemasonry simply a um, an offshoot or a um, a primarily Western Christian organization? I guess that would be the question, because all the Masons that I've known in my life have been Christian men who are part of a group, mm-hmm. and they it was sort of like a social club, right? right? It was the local lodge where you met with the other guys, and you had a ceremony, and you had some a meeting. And it seemed very innocuous. It wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't seem inherently religious, but there are teachings within Freemasonry, if you go back to their roots, that are, that are anti-biblical. They are opposite of or in contradiction to what those scriptures teach. So the question then becomes, can a, an entire group of Masons meeting in their local lodge who are all Bible-believing Christians, can they redeem the function of Freemasonry to make it Christian, right? Like that, that, mm-hmm. that's a serious question because what then they're doing is they're isolating um, their, their beliefs around a single God. If they're Christians, they're going to believe that Yahweh, the Father, God, I'm sorry, God, God the Father is the one true living God, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit in triune unity, that is God. He is God, Right. And if they deviate from that, they no longer are Christian. So there's a conflict there they have to figure out. Are we going to support our Christian beliefs, or are we going to accept these um, more broad uh, beliefs of Freemasonry where other lodges can have other gods and we're all united in our goal? Like that, that, that's a real tricky area to be in mm-hmm. because you have, to, you have to intentionally join. Right, you have to intentionally seek membership right. into this organization that has these teachings. So, is it God Big G or is it God's Little G? And that's a really big question that that these Masons have to be able to answer. Yeah, without a doubt, they have to they have to walk through that and give a response that can be held up with integrity yeah, to yeah. what the Bible teaches. Sure. So, back to your your question. Um, does the does the Masonic Lodge exist outside of the West? Uh, they do boast a worldwide membership of six million members. Okay, 
But most of the Grand Lodges that I see here just scrolling through on a, on a cursory glance are all in North America or Europe. Western Europe. Yeah. yeah. And so while Masons will definitely live worldwide, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we, th- as the song says, it's a small world after all. It is. Uh, people live all over the place these days. Uh, but definitely this looks to have uh, primarily an overwhelming Western which is, uh, locale. Which is why it has a very distinct Christian flavor to it. But the right. principles that they teach are, are antithetical to the scriptures. Yes. So, so let's, speaking of the scriptures. Script, speaking of the scriptures, the let's talk about that. Yeah. So here's what Freemasonry teaches. It teaches that the Bible is just one of several volumes of sacred law. Now, the volumes of sacred law are the various writings that the Freemasons hold as their sacred text, mm-hmm. uh, all of which are equally important. Uh, so therefore, it is not the sole revelation of God to humankind. Right. So you can have, just like you can have the God of the Bible, you can have his book, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your spirit supreme being is Allah, you can have the Quran. Mm-hmm. And so all of those, the Quran, the Bible, uh, you know, the various writings of, say, Buddha or Confucius, mm-hmm. all of those are placed into the pot, so to speak, mm-hmm within the framework of the volumes of sacred law. Those also include writings from Masonic leaders over history, and they're all viewed equally. Right. Which, if you accept the writings and teachings of other religions, then you're, you're, you're rejecting the absolute truth of God's word. You become inconsistent in what you believe. If you are a Christian and you believe the Bible, or supposed to believe the Bible is the sole revelation of God to humankind, then you cannot accept equally the, the, the writings or the truth of the other writings with, with the Bible. They can't go together. You don't deny the Quran exists. It certainly exists, but it's not divine revelation in the, right. way, in the way that the, the Bible is to us. And so that's a, that's a direct contradiction to the Word of God. Yeah. And then we move on to things that are just as key for, for any of us as believers, and mm-hmm. that's what does Freemasonry teach about Jesus? Mm-hmm. So even if you could somehow kind of wiggle around God and the Bible mm-hmm. and still say, well, you know, this, this is totally okay. This is completely Christian. Uh, there's no violation of my conscience in being a Freemason. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus in Freemasonry is not divine. Right. But it's equal to all of the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And so, again, if he's not divine, mm-hmm. we've got a serious problem with yeah, Scripture. Absolutely. And then putting him on the same level as other religious teachers, these would be like um, Muhammad, um, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, religious leaders like. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of like some more more modern uh, religious leaders that are. are uh, Sun Young Moon. Yeah, yeah. Sun Young Moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, people like people like this yeah. who who have amassed a following mm-hmm. around their particular teachings. Uh, so Jesus would just be one of these uh, many different religious leaders that are, are out there, and they're all equal. Yeah. So it's, just, it's like a buffet. Mm-hmm. Your supreme beings, your sacred texts, your religious leaders, you just kind of go along and you scoop on your plate whatever sure. you want. Sure. But there's big problems with that because this Jesus himself claims to be divine. Yeah. And so if you're going to say Jesus is not divine, you're already denying what the Bible teaches. Yeah. And so one of the things that you've 
put into your uh, volumes of sacred law mm-hmm. is now, from your own interpretation, fundamentally flawed. Absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you build a belief system around things that you yourself by your own teachings, mm-hmm. have rendered flawed. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that that really is not just a problem for Christians, but it's a problem for Freemasonry. Sure. They have to try to uh, address mm-hmm. and yeah. answer. Yeah. And they they skirt around the Jesus issue. They mm-hmm. don't really want to talk about it. Right. Uh, in fact, you're not even allowed to evoke the name of Jesus uh, during the rites and rituals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they remove the name of Jesus from Bible verses that they quote during some of their Masonic rituals. Mm-hmm because they don't want to see Jesus as being any way elevated above other religious leaders. Right. And so the, the very fact that they deny his divinity and force him into a category that he does not belong in right. uh, should just give off massive red alarms Absolutely. and flags um, to those that are considering uh, this as, as a viable belief system that is supposedly compatible with Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. If, if they were to believe in Jesus the way that he describes himself, then, then they would have to contradict their first principle regarding God. Right. Because Jesus said, I am God, and I am the only way to God. And so Jesus isolates himself and makes himself the only means of salvation for all eternity. Any other God you believe in will lead you to destruction. Only he can lead you to life. So to believe that Jesus is exactly who Jesus says he is, the Masons would then have to reject their first principle regarding God. There are there being many gods, and our understanding of Yahweh is just one expression of the Godhead or whatever it may be. And so if you can't take Jesus for, for who he is as is revealed in Scripture, then you don't have Christian faith. You have you have right. some, you have something else. And in fact, this is you typically one of the first places you need to go when considering someone's beliefs mm-hmm. is what do they do with Jesus? Yep. Because people can, can can give you the double talk yeah. about the Bible, yeah. and they can use a lot of vague language about God mm-hmm. that seems to be acceptable sure. and in line. Mm-hmm. But you can't dance around Jesus. Nope. You you just ask some very basic fundamental questions. And if they're going to be honest with you, they're going to tell you that they are in line with Scripture or they're not. Yeah. And so if you're wondering about, you know, the sunshine carpet cleaners yeah, sure. and what they believe, and they're claiming to be kind of a religious group, mm-hmm. and they, they seem to talk positively about Jesus. Even Christianly. Yeah, Christianly. Yeah, yeah. Then then. Just go ahead and put them on, call them on the call them on the carpet, yep. and ask them about Jesus and get some direct mm-hmm. answers. That yeah. that's going to tell you. You and I have talked a lot about definitions and the importance of definitions when we're yeah. having conversations. That's one of the most important things you can ever do is ask someone to define who they refer to, what they mean when they talk about Jesus. Be very Without specific. If it's not biblical, it's not Christian. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to the last thing we're going to talk about as far as Freemasonry goes, and that's sin. Mm-hmm. Because sin is at the heart of the gospel. Our biggest problem, yeah. And so we can talk about Jesus all we want to, but why is Jesus important? Mm -hmm. Well, because of our sin. So Freemasonry teaches that humankind is, and I'm quoting their writings here, rude and imperfect by nature. Now, that sounds like, all right, yeah, we are. That's not necessarily wrong. Right, it's not necessarily wrong. (laughs) I know a lot of rude, imperfect people. (laughs) But it's not. It's not the same as biblical sin. It's not the whole picture. Okay, because basically what Freemasonry are are talking about is that this root and imperfect nature is a fixable flaw. Right. Right. So you you go to the store, you're you're shopping for furniture, and you buy a table. 
you get it home and you realize the leg is a, is a little scuff mark. Mm-hmm. Well, you get a little sandpaper, you get a little stain, put a new finishing on it, and what scuff mark? Looks new. It looks brand new. Yeah. It's great. And that's how Freemasonry sees our lives, mm-hmm. is that we have this fixable flaw in us, mm-hmm. and we can work towards having that rectified through good works mm-hmm. and self-improvement. Mm-hmm. So we can we can do a little sanding on ourselves. We can put a little stain on ourselves. We can put a, a nice little coat of finish on it, and spick and span, we're, we're good as new. Yeah. So this is why you see such community um, uh, volunteerism mm-hmm. in things like Freemasonry, yeah. because that is part of their path to salvation yeah. as they work to fix this flaw mm-hmm. In their, in their lives. Yeah, it's not about grace. It's not about a need for mercy and forgiveness. It's about changing your behavior. Yeah. And that is the mark of every false religion, every other religion in the world. You must earn your way to God. Only the Christian faith offers salvation simply by believing in the Son, Jesus. That, that, it's so distinctly different from everything else mankind has ever created. Yeah. Because every other religion is made in our image by our rules. That's why the Christian faith is so distinctly different. Is because we would never would have created a system like this. We would have always created a system of religion that gives us the power to control our destinies. right? And, and in Christianity, the power is in the hands of God and particularly in the saving work of Jesus. So what you and I need is not good works. We need a heart transplant, basically. We need a right. new heart and new mind. Yeah, we're, we don't have a, a scuff. We, we're broken. Yeah, We're completely, just completely yeah. broken, yeah. unable to put ourselves back in order in any such way. Yes. So that that's Freemasonry. Freemasonry yes. is an occultic um, group because of the, the secret knowledge aspect, but mm-hmm. they stray very far far away from what the Bible teaches right. on just very fundamental things. And again, I've known a lot of Masons through mm-hmm. my through my life. Mm-hmm. I've never met one of them that was just a just a mean right. spirited yeah. individual. Kind, generous men, yeah. 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 Love their families, love their church, love mm-hmm. their community, but Anybody can do that. Yeah. And I, again, some of them may not have even known right. what these teachings were. They just joined it because it was a group of guys that were like-minded and they yeah. enjoyed serving their community. Yeah. And and that that's fine. It's just know, know what you're into, what, what yeah. you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Belie- belief matters Absolutely. beyond beyond the organization, beyond the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into uh, something that Orrin and I would just go ahead and admit we do not know a whole lot about. This is Crazy Town over here now. We're about to, we are about to take the train to Crazy Town. Yes, um, we're not even going to jump off. We're just going to slow roll through <laughs> Crazy Town. Just look <laughs> because um, we're afraid to stop. Yeah. Uh, so the question was asked to us about Kabbalah. Yep. So first of all, what is Kabbalah? I love it. I go to Greek restaurants and I order the Kabbalah and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Can, can you get that Kabbalah it's on cabbage, a wrap? Cabbage leaves wrapped around seasoned beef. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah we're, not, we're, not, <laughs> we're not talking about Greek food. I wish we were I know, be because we would both have something to talk uh, about if we were talking about Greek food. Kabbalah is a religious cult. It's a religious cult. There you go. And it's complicated. Very complicated. The, this first thing you need to know about Kabbalah is that it is overly complicated. Almost on purpose. Yeah, almost on purpose. It seems like it's on purpose, yeah. Because why? It's another occultic yes. group that claims secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that, that occultic groups sort of keep their adherents sort of baffled is by making things so convoluted mm-hmm. that they never really catch on to what the heck is going on. Right. 
And Kabbalah is like that. Uh, it is basically a philosophy that was developed um, by the Jews in Babylonia. This thing goes way back. I mean, you could actually look historically. 500s BC. Yeah. 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 Um, so this this is legit. This is not like the Freemasons saying we came out of ancient Egypt. Right. Um, but it was developed in Babylonia. Then we see it later being developed in countries like Italy and Spain between the 6th and 13th centuries. And so it kind of has this kind of resurgence back then. And basically, it is a method for interpreting the Torah mm-hmm. that is very complicated. Yeah, I cannot even begin to explain how this works. Uh, if you ever look at a Kabbalah diagram, it looks like an Enneagram, right? <laughs> the Enneagram. Uh, not saying there's any connection between the two. Future episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it has this very convoluted way of looking kind of uh, mystically, symbolically, mm-hmm. and through these means you can gain secret mm-hmm. and hidden messages and meanings out of the Torah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the theology of Kabbalah, essentially it's pantheistic Mm -hmm. uh, because they teach that all reality springs directly from God's own essence. Yeah. Now, again, to explain what they mean by God's own essence. Even who God is. Yeah, who God is. Right. right. But but they basically take God and they they extract what they call his essence Mm -hmm. and sort of divide it out into a variety of categories. And then all reality grows out of these different categories of God's essence. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a kind of cloak and dagger pantheistic worldview mm-hmm. masquerading as monotheism. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so because basically what they're saying is that God did not create out of nothing. Mm-hmm. God created with his essence. Yeah. So his essence were sort of the seeds yeah. for creation to, to spring. And so everything we have, you know, sun, moon, stars, people, plants, animals, all kind of grew out of the essence they of con- God. They contain God's essence. They, yeah, they contain. Okay. They, they sprung from it. Contain God's essence. So, so is the is the effort of the Kabbalists to become one with this essence through their religious philosophy, their religious practices, the the mystical, the mysterious aspect of this? I, I would I would say is it is it similar to um, Wicca or these forms of, of humanism. Honestly, it's it's a lot closer to like an, to an ancient Gnosticism. I got you. Okay. To, to okay. be, if you want to make a comparison to something that we sort of know and understand, Gnosticism would probably be the camp that is closest, closest? Okay. To, to being like Kabbalah. Those who practice Kabbalah believe that if if you if you practice Kabbalah, if you understand the symbols and you understand the, the kind of the mystical meanings here and you glean this information, then the communion with God that Adam and Eve experienced before the fall back in the Garden of Eden can be regained. So okay. they Kabbalah doesn't in any way deal with our sin. Right. It basically provides us a shortcut to mm-hmm. bypass our sin sure. and to have the type of relationship with God that we had before the fall. Yeah. It's it's to make us feel better. It's to make us feel better. It's a feel good. It is a feel yeah, good. It's it's a mystical, and, and what's really interesting about these mysterious uh, occult occultic faiths is 
they they don't they don't land on any one particular system of belief. They kind of leave it up to the individuals yeah. to figure it out, just so long as you're kind of headed in the right direction. And that never works. It, it doesn't work. Even if you take the, the Torah, the, the Old Testament law, yeah. and you look for meanings in between the words or in between the chapters and verses, you're, you're adding, you're, you're reading into the Bible what you want it to say. Without versus, a doubt. Versus hearing what God yeah. is revealing in it. And so what you're doing is you're turning the whole thing upside down and you're making it about yourself and not about God. It's about you getting to some place where you feel like you need to be spiritually and not following the, the path that God has for you. And so it rejects the true living God and his plan for our redemption and salvation, and it puts it in your own hands. And so that philosophy is common among many other religions. Um, it just has a, a unique uh, celebrity flavor to it. Recently, we've we known some celebrities were really on board with this yeah. idea of Kabbalah. Um, I don't know if it's still around, if they're still into it as much as they were back 10, 15 years ago. Right. Um, but it kind of caught on there for a while because it seemed sort of, Christian-ish, it used mm -hmm. the Old Testament, and it kind of had some connections there. Um, and again, it has its goal to get back to yeah. a right relationship yeah. with God. Yeah, and so the the desire to be right with God isn't a bad one. Yeah, but how you go about it can be can lead you to a very bad place. Yeah, and let's just go ahead and be be clear because some of you hearing this may go, "Are they talking about the Bible code?" No, no, <laughs> it's something totally no, different. No. So. These are two different ways of looking at the Torah. One of them is through some really, really funky math uh, that is completely bogus. The other is through some funky mystical uh, uh, symbolism that is also completely bogus. Yes. Uh, but they are not one and the same. So, so Bible code is not Kabbalah. Right. Uh, one of the things that Kabbalah does hold to that uh, we definitely do not see taught anywhere in Scripture, that should be a red flag for us, is that they believe in reincarnation. So if you don't attain that communion with God that you were seeking in this life, well, you get another run at it right. in the life in the life to come uh, when when you come back as right. somebody which, else, which rejects the Old Testament text because the Old Testament does not teach reincarnation. Right. So it it even denies the very book that it claims to use for its foundational tenets of the faith, which yeah. is just absolutely absurd. All right. So there we have there a go. couple of occultic um, groups. Uh, very much appropriate for the, the topic that we were discussing. Um, I hope that was helpful. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to post some links in our show notes if you want to do some more research on your own. Again, we just sort of skimmed the surface, mm -hmm. and we're about to get into something else where, honestly, we don't have to skim the surface a lot, but you will probably want us to go into all kind of crazy yeah. detail. But let me just go ahead and say up front, we're not going there yeah. because we're going to take Paul's um, very sound advice and command to not give in to silly myths. Yes. And so we're, we're not going to chase a bunch of rabbits on here. And this next one fits a lot more with the theme of the paranormal and yeah. what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And that's Catholic exorcism. Yes. The question was, why do Catholics seem to corner the market on exorcisms? That is a very it's good question. It's a really great question, yeah. Why do they do exorcisms and the Protestant church does not? Yeah. Any time you watch these old or even recent newer horror movies where some teenage girl or boy is possessed by some kind of evil spirit or demon, it's always a Catholic priest with right. a Bible and a cross and some holy water. They never call the local Baptist pastor or Presbyterian minister. It's always the Catholic guy. And I yeah. always wondered, why only them? Why can't the process get in some of this action? 
What's the deal, Dave? Why not? That's well, no a one's good ever called question. me. No, no one's ever call, called me. Oh, so I'm going to get like 10 phone calls next right. week. <laughs> so, wait, are you saying you're up for this? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I got like, you know, a ceiling fan that I really think is got a spirit, <laughs> the noises it makes, you know. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a very good reason. So, let's, before we jump into the reason, let's just go ahead and actually define some things. Um, according to the Catholic Church, this is a direct quote from them. When the church asks publicly, and authoritatively, in the name of Jesus, that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdrawn from his dominion, it is called exorcism. So when we talk about exorcism, according to the Catholic Church, that's what they mean, that there is a person or an object that is under the control or the dominion of Satan or a demon, and they are speaking authoritatively in the name of Jesus to have that Removed, removed, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with uh, not not withdrawn, but drawn out, drawn out, yeah. And Correct. just to be clear, exorcism is different from exercising. When I'm working out here, it's exorcism. It's cut, right. it means to cut out, you're not, not to remove. Yeah, you're not doing body pump with the devil, right? Right. You're, you're trying to get the devil out, right, right? So why why do we not practice this? It's real simple. We're going to give you a, um, just a, a couple of basic things. Mm-hmm. And then we'll kind of discuss. The first thing is nowhere in Scripture do we ever see a rite being performed to cast out a demon. You can go through the Old Testament. You can go through the New Testament. And we encourage you to do so. Mm -hmm. Don't take our word for it. Just Mm -hmm. take a look at it yourself. Read it, uh, particularly in the book of Acts, where uh, you're going to see people other than Jesus casting out demons. Uh, But, of course, definitely the Gospels for sure. Mm -hmm. You're never going to see any type of right. What do we mean by right? Right. We were talking about certain words that you're going to have to say. Incantations. Incantations. Yeah. You say them in a particular order. You have to have them correct. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Catholic Church uh, does believe that when they're performing the ordinances, mm-hmm. that the words they speak must be correct. You sure. can't get those out of order. Before an exorcism, there actually is not a set um text Mm -hmm. that a script so to speak that you have to follow exactly so there's a lot of liberty in how priests go about Mm -hmm. that but you do have to speak some particular words over the spirit we just don't see that no we don't see any evidence of this being being described whatsoever the only thing we do see is the name of jesus spoken yeah exactly except when jesus is speaking yes he, he doesn't, doesn't, in his own he doesn't yeah. invoke his own name. Right. He just tells the demons to get out. Right. And we and throughout the, the Gospels and in the book of Acts, Jesus and even the apostles never follow the same pattern or uh, design. It's it's always an encounter that they have. Yeah. And whether it's Jesus or the apostles, it's always done differently because it's it's sort of dictated by the moment and by the circumstances. Um, and, and so... I often I, I immediately go to the Sons of Sceva story in, in, in Acts 19. Because it's awesome. Because it's so good yeah. in that the Apostle Paul in Ephesus is, is, is basically delivering people from their demonic possession. There's a man there who's a, who's a healer, essentially. He's, he's basically a witch doctor in the city who has these sons. And this witch doctor is very famous and he's very rich because he has these big books that he uses with spells and incantations. And everybody thinks he's a hero. Well, his sons hear about this guy, Paul, casting out demons. And so the, all seven of them decide they're going to go down the street to this house where there's a demon-possessed man. They're going to get the devil out. It's going to be a big show, It's going to be a show. They're, they're yeah. ready to go. So if our dad can do it, we can do it. So they go down to this guy's house. 
and they go to this 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 man and they say, "In the name of Jesus, whom the Paul who Paul preaches, come out." Right, and the demon says, "Jesus, I know. Paul, I've heard of, but who are you?" Yeah, and then he beat the clothes off of them. They run down the street naked and bleeding. All seven of them, because this demon-possessed man was not impressed with their incantation. With their, They tried to invoke the name of Jesus, right. whom Paul proclaims, somehow to deliver this man from his demon possession. And it failed miserably, because that's not the way it works. That's not how the force works. <laughs> that's how it works. And, and so there's an obsession, I think, with exorcism, partly because of Hollywood. And yeah. because we love that, um, that mysterious, unseen mystery um, spirit world, mm-hmm. there's a power there that draws us to it. The idea of exorcism gives us a way out of it. Like there's a religious answer for that for that de- demonic mystery, and that a priest can come in with his cross and his holy water and get that demon out of you somehow. And so that sort of gives us a semblance of hope or help, believing that that world is very very real. And and in some ways, as we talked about, it is real. But the idea of exorcism is foreign to many of us um, because I, I believe there are, are um, exaggerations of this in our culture that we sort of latch onto or obsess with, and we tend to focus on those things rather than what the real issues are. Well, without a doubt, without a doubt, this is so true. Mm. You know, there's there's this uh, dangerous thing that that we often do as Christians. We we take the phrase "There's power in the name of Jesus." Yeah. And we redefine what power means. And we have to be really careful about that. We're not talking about some sort of magical power that when you speak the name of Jesus, that God is somehow now obligated Obligated, to do something. That's that's spell casting. That's evil. That's pure evil. It is. It is. But this is kind of the mentality. And so the idea is that this is what these seven sons were doing was that I can speak this name, there's obviously power in it. And that's a very, this is a very animistic view, mm-hmm. okay? You need power people, you need power words. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be the power people and speak the power words, and they get overpowered It's, it's, it's <laughs> in, a, it's, in the story. It's a name drop. It's a name it's, drop. It's like George trying to flash the sign for the for the, for the Van Buren gang cause, so they won't beat him up, right? right. Like you're trying to, to use the name of Jesus to somehow accomplish a goal that's going to be better for you. Right. God is never in our debt. There's never a situation yeah. where God owes you something. And to use the name of Jesus to invoke power in a situation that you don't like is mm-hmm. flat out satanic. Let me tell, yeah. you, tell me another, another crazy story about a football game. The team that we're rooting for is getting blown out 58 to 12 or something stupid like that. The mom in the stand. Was it last night? The Bucks and the, yeah, and I was the Saints? Yeah, I to say, they were getting beat like the Bucks <laughs> last night, baby. And so it's a high school team. The mom in the stands, who I believe is 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 Christian, but obviously a misguided, she says, I know in the name of Jesus y'all can come back and beat this team. And she, she's like calling on the name of Jesus. It's like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, right? Even a good team's not going to come back from that kind of deficit. But she's, she's invoking Jesus' name for a football game. It's just wrong. You cannot do that. You're, you're selfishly motivated, and now you're using the name of Jesus to accomplish a goal that you desire yeah. for yourself. You're, you're basically turning that into the same thing as a spell. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's yeah. the same concept. Mm-hmm. These words have power. Yes. 
and I'm going to speak them. Mm-hmm. This is we're not going to get into, into the word of faith, but Ooh. they have the same concept. Yeah. Okay, so this is one reason why we don't do this mm-hmm. um, in the Protestant faith because we don't see it. Number one, no. in Scripture. Number two, that's not how we use the name of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, the third thing is that nowhere in, this, in the Scripture do we see an office or a ministry sure. of exorcism yeah. being described. Right. You know, in the, the pastoral letters that we have, we don't see anywhere where it describes this type of activity yeah. being encouraged right. in any way right. by those that are leading the church. Why? Because that's not the function of anybody in leadership in the church. Right. The Bible gives us pastors and deacons mm-hmm. as the two offices. And their roles have nothing to do with casting out demons. Right. Okay? Why? Because we believe in the power of Jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection and the victory he's won. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about Jesus having power, we're talking about Jesus having Having power. power. Okay? Not us manipulating that power by invoking his name. Mm -hmm. So Jesus has power and victory over Satan and demonic forces because of his work on the cross and through his resurrection, where we see him being validated in that work, Mm -hmm. God raising him from the dead, giving him ultimate authority authority even over death itself. Mm -hmm. And so do we still have uh, demonic activity going on in the lives, particularly of unbelievers Mm -hmm. from time to time in this world? Yes, we do. But we don't need to take it upon ourselves to go and try to do a rite or ritual, mm-hmm. use the name of Jesus in a way that is not biblical, to get that right. demon out. Yeah. The number one thing that drives out Satan and demons is the gospel. The gospel, amen. Yeah. And so when when we we've look, I've been been on the mission field where there's clear evidence of demonic activity mm-hmm. in people's lives, and Man, people, I've look. I've, you've got these groups that are everywhere. Yeah, everywhere where there's Christianity, they they co-opt. There's a corruption of it. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. co-opt typically the the local traditional religion mm-hmm. um, because they want to have power over spirits, mm-hmm. and they will do all kind of dramatic and crazy things to get a spirit out. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do dramatic and crazy things to get a spirit into a person. Yes, yeah, exactly. In some yeah. in some traditions, that is even considered a good thing. Um, but nowhere do you see the demonic actually responding to any of that. Mm-hmm. They will play along, mm-hmm. but the demon keeps coming back. Yeah. Well, then there's there's nothing in there that you did. Nobody, nobody that Jesus healed of the demonic possession became possessed again. Exactly. That was it. Why? Because the spirit of Christ had entered that person. Yep. And saved them. And defeated the power that enslaved them. Yeah. Yes, and so exactly. can we be influenced by Satan and the demonic as believers? Of course we can. Sure. But to be actually possessed again, no. Mm-hmm. And so the only time you ever see someone freed from their demonic enslavement is when the power of the spirit overwhelms yes. the demonic. Yes and convicts them of sin, the reality of who Jesus is, what he's done, and they cry out to God to, to save them mm-hmm. by faith in Christ, yeah. 
and then the, the demon has no other choice but to run yeah. for their lives because now the spirit of God is coming to dwell in that person. Mm-hmm. That's the only time. So we don't need to do exorcisms. Right. What we need to do is preach the gospel. Preach Christ, yeah, because the demons believe in Jesus. Like, they don't believe in him by faith, but they know who he is. Right. And they tremble. I love when Jesus walks up to the demon-possessed man and they say what? Son of God, what do you have to do with us? Yeah. Like, they recognize him. They, he has authority over us. We're going to get destroyed. So they, they knew who Jesus was. Yeah. And so if you're in a situation, and, and I can't tell you what that's going to look like or what, 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 it will, what it will appear to be, if you're in a situation where there is someone who you believe is possessed by a demon, there are answers to that. Read the scriptures. Pray in the name of Jesus. Sing. John John Piper has a great story about this early on in his pastorate. He was called in the middle of the night to go to a woman's house who is possessed by a demon, essentially. And for two hours, they prayed and prayed and prayed. Then they began to sing, and immediately her spirit changed. Everything about her changed. They were singing the gospel, and the demon could not resist that kind of power because their hearts were given to, to the Lord in that moment. And so I don't, I've never done this before. I don't know what it looks like, but the gospel is the answer. Pray it, read it, sing it. The, 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 the satanic, demonic forces in this world cannot stand against Jesus. But they sure can, you know, ravage us. They, yeah. sure, they sure can harass us. They cannot touch Jesus. So Jesus is the answer, not the priest and his cross and his holy water. Yeah. No, def- definitely not. So there we have it. Three things that we did not cover in the paranormal live stream that we have now covered in Scant detail. <laughs> yes. So hopefully it's what your appetite to go do your own yeah. research. Yeah, absolutely. And we always encourage that. Uh, if you're just kind of waiting around for Orn and I to kind of give you all the details on this stuff, uh, you're going to be waiting, waiting around a for a time. long time. Yeah. Just uh, just remember to always weigh these things against Scripture. Absolutely. That, that some, is your answer. There are some good resources. We'll put some links in the, the, the show notes to help you out. But uh, these are good questions to ask yeah. because if we don't ask, guess what? You don't ever know. You don't ever know. That's right. And so right. we're happy to kind of explore these. And so if we have sparked uh, some additional questions on what we have shared, feel free to reach out to us. You can do that at hello at fbcbr.com. We are always happy to answer your questions. Always. Wrong one. I did it again. <laughs> All right, so we promised back in the uh, live live stream mm-hmm. that we would do a follow-up of some sort. Yeah. And we're going to do that. Yeah. So putting it together now, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be letting folks know about uh, how they can interact with that yeah. coming up uh, uh, pretty soon, we hope. Um, but we're going to be going into more detail on spirit beings mm-hmm. and the spirit world. That was the overwhelming request. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to deep dive into that. We're going to get into some Hebrew language, Mm -hmm. fun stuff, but it's going to be fascinating. And so be, um, be watching for, for an announcement about how you can view that once we have it ready. And uh, then next week, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Yes. Thanksgiving in a time of COVID. Yes. Because I mean, and just in 2020 in general, we're just talking about finding, it's very true, finding gratitude and joy in our lives, in the midst of, of the, the mess that's been this this year, yeah. I think is is one of the brightest testaments or lights that Christians can shine in this world. So let's let's look forward to that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So but so tune into that, especially because uh, Thanksgiving 
itself is coming up. So if you need some help to to guide your more mopey relatives uh, yeah. towards uh, some hope in Christ, sure. this this will be something that uh, can help you out with that. Amen.